right, here we go. It's good to be here. Uh, like I said, we got we got four courses, like four talks in this course. So we're like moving. Right now, we went from like worship to the beginning. Now we're talking about like maturity. It's the end. So I don't know what we're talking about the rest of it. We got all our bases covered now, right? So here's what I want to start with. Um, so I was listening to this podcast a while back. It's called the Jocko Podcast. You guys listen to it. I don't listen to it that much because this guy, he's like an ex Navy SEAL. He's like really intense. He like has this like rough and tumble Navy SEAL voice. And uh, he was talking about like something he says. I listened to a few times. I caught on that pattern. He would say like, I can teach almost anyone like fill in the blank. You might say something. I can teach almost anyone to do this. I can teach almost anyone to do that. They're like, well, that makes sense. I guess like some people like, you know, maybe don't want to learn it, or they don't they're not smart enough, they're not giving up, whatever it is, you know. And then one day he was like, he says like, I can teach almost anyone to. He's like, wait, like, do you know why I say I can teach almost anyone to do this? I was like, yeah, John, those people aren't like smart enough or something. I guess he's like, I say that because like the, the people that I can't teach are those who already think they know what I'm going to teach them. And I was like, oh, dang it. I got roasted by Jocko. <laughs> but I knew the answer, but I did it, and it's like pie in my face. So, so here's here's I guess the uh, the hot take I have for us tonight that I propose to us is that maybe we could be like me listening to that podcast, where we can think we already know the answer and therefore be unable to be taught by Jocko, which is not a good place to live, or the Lord, right? The Lord's spirit of Jocko, right? So we could be in a spot tonight where we're like, man. I already know this stuff. I've heard it before. Like, ah, man, like, I know. But if we're in that spot, it's a horrible place to be because we actually can't learn. He's like, that's like the only person that can't learn, actually, according to Jocko, which is a rough place to be. So, what we're talking about tonight, we're talking about some, like, some mysteries, right? This isn't like, going to be five easy steps. It's not a BuzzFeed article. If you want that, I'm sure there's some online for you. Right? This is going to be a little bit more like in-depth. It's going to be like more mysterious, right? We're, we're journeying. We're traveling somewhere. So as I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit will be highlighting things, right? It could be something really, like, random. That's it. Like, write it down and, like, sit with that. Right? It's not supposed to be just for tonight. It's supposed to be for later, too. Reflect on it. Like, Lord, what do you have for me here? Because, I might, again, it might be something really small. But the Lord is speaking. He's moving. Because this is just bigger than just, like, five easy steps. You guys, you guys track with me? The Lord will be practical at the end. We'll spoil the Lord for you. All right. Anyways. Here we go. So, what I want to start with is like story. The idea of story. Like, there's a reason biographies are really popular, right? It's because people's lives would be like stories, right? So, if that's the case, like, you know, we're, like, we could say that we're all like plopped down into a story, right? You guys driving me here? Like, you are like in a story. Your life reads like a story, and you're like part of a story, okay? So, um, like in your life, there's, there's characters, there's hero, plot, conflict, there's friends, there's enemies, there's goals, there's tears, there's laughter, there's twists, there's turns. Um, so this, this, this course, say, so, so who are we? Who are we? We are men and women who are plopped down into a story. We are living a story, okay? Whether we realize it or not. So there's actually a story recently that really gripped me. Um, it's a movie. My wife, Adeline, shout out Adeline, who lives with us. Adeline lives with us. Um, so we watched a movie, it's called The Courier. I don't know if you guys have seen it, it's a newer movie. And you don't need to see it to, to like get this, so I'll explain it. But I highly recommend it. Bit um, has a Benny Cumberbatch in it, so that's your, that's your jam. Cooking. So in the movie, The Courier, we meet this guy who's a very successful businessman, okay? He's like, he has 
He's working his life, he's his kid, he's a good job, he's very successful at, he's a nice apartment in London. And he lives in London in the 1960s during the height of the Cold War, okay? We meet this guy and he's doing pretty well. Um, but his life was interrupted one day when these agents from, this agent from CIA and MI6, which is the British CIA, sit him down and say, hey, we have this Russian contact who has reached out to us and we think you are the perfect guy to go do business with him and bring back some intel for us to avoid like global disaster, like nuclear holocaust. He's like, he like, he's obviously like, no way, get out of here, but eventually he agrees to it, or else it wouldn't be a movie, it's not a spoiler alert, right? <laughs> it would be a movie if he said no, but he said yes eventually. And so he goes, and he goes to Russia, and he, um, he conducts these undercover missions while doing business with this guy. And he takes these really important documents from the Russians and brings them to the United States and Britain so they can like negotiate and understand how to like stop the world from like blowing, blowing itself up with nuclear bombs, right? And this is, so you, you look at this movie and like, well, you ask like, well, who's the hero of the story? Really say like, the couriers in the title, duh. But if you like, I think if you asked this character, he would tell you the hero actually is this Russian contact. Because this Russian contact was the one who actually risked first. Right? He was the one who risked his life to say, actually, I don't want the world to be blown up, so I'm gonna do something about it, and I'm gonna reach out. And the career is just like an awesome supporting actor who did real things, but he's not the hero, like the initial hero of this story, which I love. But think about it, like, yeah, the career did some heroic things, but it wouldn't be possible that the Russian didn't do it first. He didn't reach out first. But if the, if the courier kind of, saw, I was reflecting on this, if the courier saw himself as the hero, right, he'd be kind of like puffed up. He'd be like, I'm gonna do it my way. Like, I know what I'm doing. I'm like a pro spy now. And he would have like probably gone horribly sideways, right? Or the crucial moments of decision, he would have like chosen himself. And they're like, ah, I'm worth protecting. I don't need to sacrifice anything here, right? So my point is, in order to like play our part in our stories, we need to understand who the hero is, right? And we all like grew up in America. So I ask you like, okay, yeah, your story. Like, who's the hero in your story? You're like, me, duh. Like, it's my story. Like, who else would the hero be? But I want to challenge that, okay? I'm going to toss a grenade into that idea, which is <laughs> that, like, the, I guess I'll, I'll ask you with questions, like, who acted first in your life? Yeah. Who risked more before you risked anything? By risk more, I mean everything. Risk everything before you risk anything, right? Who is actually, has the power? Who's actually working all things out in the entire universe, right? Because if we're honest, we find ourselves kind of looking at our own life as like, we're the hero, we're the sinner, we're making things happen, we're the one doing it. But actually, it's the Lord is the hero of our stories, right? Our individual stories and our collective story as church, right? So, and again, it's not that we can't do heroic things, it's not what I'm saying. It's that we had, there's, we would not be able to do anything heroic if it was not for the original hero. So everything that we do is from the original hero, right? His inspiration, his act. So I, I, I'd say this, and this is talking maturity, but where are you going with this, John? Like, there is no maturity if we don't get this right. Like, we just toss this idea out of the window. If we don't get this idea right, that we are not the hero of our stories, we're, we're, we're done. Like, there's no, there's no maturity. Like, pack it up and go, let's get the worship band up here. But that's, so we need to like dig into that. Maybe something for you reflecting later. I just need, I had, we had to hit that. So, okay, so what is our story? All right, what is our story? The story is, we're plop, what, what is the story that we're plopped into? It's the story of Jesus getting his world back, right? The story that we're plopped into is the story of Jesus getting his world back. Okay, whether you realize it or not, that's, that's, what, that's what you're part of. Because like, like God, like, so, like 
came into the world in a humble way, born a virgin, born a stable, right? And came into the world behind enemy lines into a world that rejected him or didn't know who he was. And then he actually came to a world where like Satan had authority, right? Satan had, kind of had the power. He like Satan offered him all the kingdoms of the world if he worshipped him because Satan had the authority to do that, right? And so and then Jesus comes to tie up the strong man to set us free so we can live as God intended us to live. And then he looks at us and says, Go, like set others free. I'm with you. Let's do this together. Like that's the story we're plopped into, right? And at the heart of it, the story is like it's a call to adventure. Okay? And I think this word adventure, it resonates in our hearts a little bit. Like adventure, it's like, yeah, something bigger, something exciting, something risky, something that has some stakes to it, some need to it. Um, but we may not realize that the discipleship of Jesus is the most true and real story and adventure of this world. That's what we're going to be unpacking here. So, you'll see on your outlines here, we're going to define adventure a little bit. There's three things I want to say. One, adventure is, by its nature, a thing that comes to us, okay? It's a thing that chooses us, not a thing we choose. If we choose our adventure, we're, like, kind of living this fake contrived thing. That doesn't mean, you, like, you chose me to Ohio State. But in some ways, like, the Lord probably, like, led you there a little bit. Is that more clear now, maybe? You know? Like, like how we, like, we have free will. So, like, yes, you did choose, like, as part of it. God didn't, like, override it. But, like, there's also something more mysterious to play here. Think about, like, in my adventure as, as a dad, like, the kids I have. That defines my adventure. I didn't really choose those kids. I chose, I chose to have kids, kind of, you know? But, like, what if it's, like, a really difficult situation, right? I get a kid with Down syndrome. It's like, wow, that's an adventure. Here we go. I didn't choose that. But, oh, this is what we got. This is my pathway to sainthood and joy, right? So, like, we don't really choose our adventure line in life. And that's, that's what makes an adventure actually an adventure, besides just, like, a fun expedition I do, okay? Two, true adventure concerns matters of great significance. Right? The stakes are high, and it matters that the characters respond in the right way. It's not trivial things. It's not like you know an adventure trying to find a parking spot outside Longview Studio. That's like not something you write down in a book. Although maybe it was adventurous for you today, not this kind of adventure. Okay, so real adventures have real stakes, and most people in real adventures they actually want a way out. <laughs> they kind of get into it. They're like, oh man, I'm over my head. This is like a little more like bargaining for, right? And we come, we go kind of want an adventure maybe to work in it. Like, yeah, I can't wait to like be on mission. You're like, man, this is really hard. It's a lot of no's. I got ghosted again. I don't know if I really wanted this adventure, Lord. I wanted like one where it was really fun and easy, right? And so what's also important about this is to say, I mean, think of like Moses, I guess examples of that, like Moses, right? He was he didn't have the plan. God chose Moses and unveiled it before him, right? And like I love Bilbo and Frodo, right? Two unlikely heroes that were swept up into an adventure, right? Way beyond their imaginations. What's important about this second stage is to find adventure. The fate of the world is dependent in some way on how these people respond. That's a characteristic of an adventure. Big things are at stake. Um, all right, last one, three. A true adventure is full of trials, setbacks, perplexities, and suffering. We do our best to avoid these things and set up our life in like safe ways, right? That's like our natural instinct. But we need to recognize we've been thrown into a great adventure with the gospel and the Christian life. This is what makes the story worth reading and bringing about the gold, right? The gold comes from these perplexities, these trials, these setbacks. Well, it's not really a fun adventure, right? It's like, well, I was born, and life wasn't really that hard, and I died in the Lord, and that was it. It's like, wow, like, no one's reading that. But, like, it's what we, like, are attracted to, right? The great moments. Like, when we had a choice to turn back, and we didn't. We had a choice to, like, go talk to that person, 
We're like, Olivia, Olivia had an opportunity to like, just pass it by. Like, actually, no, not really, not today. But we, she didn't. There was a story there. She pressed into the difficulty, like the awkwardness, and like, look what the fruit wants, right? So this, this like, these difficulties, perplexities are part of what makes the gold. I'll say if the gospel story exemplifies the qualities of an adventure in like a superlative way. It's like the archetype of what an adventure is, is giving our life to the Lord and living this with him, right? With him as Lord, Jesus as Lord. We are, and we are placed in this, brothers and sisters. But we have, again, like I said, we can respond to it. So, um, so here we are. This is our story. And again, if we're not the hero, this means we need to like let this vision permeate our lives. So I'll say this, we're not living an adventure if we are firmly in control of every aspect of our lives. That's not an adventure, right? You're not actually open. You're just kind of living this like perfectly placed existence that you think is what some ideal is. You're not living in a God's adventure if you're firmly in control of our lives. There's something about sacrifice that Emily talks so well to us about, about worship that draws us out of ourselves and puts us on the right path. So kind of segue the last week. So, um, here's what I want to say. Um, I guess, yeah, like, why are you here? Like, why are you sacrificing full formation, okay? So, someone thought might be so I can be a better person, which, like, isn't necessarily bad. It's, like, it's a good desire. But, like, to what end? So you can, like, be a better person if you, like, right? Are you here so you can, like, know the right things to do? Which is, again, not a bad thing, but it's, like, it's, like, lacking a little bit. Are you here so you can, like, experience, like, Great, you know, fun evening, thrills, good worships, like, yes, but like, we're lacking there. Because, like, a lot of our, like, motivations and reasons can be, like, so I can, like, be happy and satisfied, which, you know, we can get philosophical here, and there's something good about fulfillment. But we know as Christians that fulfillment actually comes from laying down our life, of laying, sacrificing to the Lord. True worship is when we actually surrender ourselves to the Lord, right? So the truth is, we think a lot about God making us happy. Not as much about God making us holy. Oh, say that again. <laughs> I think sometimes we think a lot about God making us happy. Thanks, Lily. Sometimes we can forget that God's more, more interested in God Him making us holy. That's what He's more interested in. Because he understands that holiness brings about the real happiness, the lasting happiness that's actually deeper than just my mood. It's a disposition of our souls. And so here's the thing, too is, um, holiness is accomplished through this death and resurrection process. Accomplished by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, Jesus kind of gives us a little bit of vision here, right? He didn't leave us in the dark to figure out what this looks like. So how do we step into this plot? This story, this death and resurrection process that our lives take the shape of. Um, I, got, I got four scripture verses there. Um, because someone want to like, find those and read them? Luke 9. Let's do Luke 9. Raise your hand. They're in there. All right, Daniel, you want to do the second one? You want to? I got to do the guy in because you know, unless you have your, I got two documents handy. Um, and then Philippians three. Who's that? Who's that? So yeah, speak it when you got it. You can stand up to me. Twenty-three to twenty-five. And he said to all, "If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself." Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Thanks. And you're going 24 to 26. 
truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there shall my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor Gaudium et Spes, which is the church in the back to Church of the New Age, says the likeness, this likeness reveals that man, who is the only creature on earth which God willed for itself, cannot fully find himself ex except through the sincere gift of himself. I read again. So man is the only creature on earth who God willed for itself, cannot fully find himself except through the sincere gift of himself. Oh. That's who Philippians 3, got 8 through 9. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Stuff. You guys are all reading naps. Appreciate that. Um, we got our speeds here. Um, so this, this is a high bar, right? This is the vision. This is our story. This is our map, right? This is the plot, like in broad sense. This is why we need maturity. If you thought I long to say that word again, maturity. This is why we need maturity, because without a base level maturity, we're not entering into that story. And that, that's a story we like white knuckle our way into. It's a story that we're led into, right, as we cooperate with this in our lives. We're gonna dig into what that looks like today. So, think of it this way. If I needed Ellie to be an SQO missionary, right, to go on camps and meet people, um, she wouldn't do very well. Yeah. Ellie, Ellie's my four-year-old daughter, okay? Like today, she like, we were just, I was swinging rolling, and like, she like got off the swing and just like ran in the path of the swing and got clocked by him. <laughs> Yeah, situational awareness. It's hard. It's hard. Um, but she's, she can be impulsive like that, right? She's pretty dependent on Anna and I um, for basically everything. Um, she's not mature enough to be counted on, right? And that's fine because she's four. Like, no one's expecting it. It's just an observation, right? In the same way, each of us Christians were called to be in a place of maturity where we can be counted on, where we can actually be counted on to love the Lord to be effective for his building his kingdom, to be effective in loving brothers and sisters, to be effective in actually loving, like, children, right? Whatever our vocation is. So, um, I'm gonna drop some Greek on us here, okay? You ready? Oh, sure. Here we go. The Greek word for mature is teleos. Say it with me, teleos. Teleos. It rolls off the tongue, right? Teleos. Um, it actually has, has two, has a dual meaning, okay? It's fast, right? It's two, two kind of understandings. They're in your outline there. But um, we, know, we know the verse, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, right? Like that's right, be teleos as your heavenly father is teleos. So in, that, in this sense, what it means is it's translated as perfect because that's what it means here. It means like a high ideal, like unable to be proved upon, like a flawless reality. Like only, and what the title here is like, this is only possible after we die. God's not saying like, get perfect as fast as you can. It's in like, that's the goal. Like he, he understands the church teaches you don't get perfect in this world. This is this is like a ideal to strive for that only happens when we die. Excuse me, come to know the Lord. So in this sense, maturity is this ideal. Okay? It's a high ideal. 
Telios can also mean mature. It's also translated mature in the Bible. And this is this is more talking about like a current reality that we're on right now, like on a journey. So Paul explains this attitude in, in Philippians, right? We read it before. Let me pull it up here. So he says, um, yeah, where does he go? Um, Yeah, brethren, he says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brethren, I do not say I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and straining forth what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And he says, let those of us who are mature be thus minded. Let those of us who are teleos be thus minded. He's not saying like that those of us who are like died and perfect. What he's saying is those of us who are in this world right now journeying towards the Lord, let us Christians, incarnate, living, have this attitude. Forgetting what lies behind, training for what lies ahead. Let's run after the Lord with perseverance. Let's go for it, right? That's what he's saying. So, again, this um, this maturity here, in this sense, is, is like more of a mindset, right? Or a disposition. It's a current thing we can have now, this attitude of maturity, right? That is incarnate in our actions we'll get to. So, again, Paul isn't saying, like, if you're sinless, you think this way. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, like, people who live that way are like have no sin. He's not saying that. He's, he is talking about how a mature Christian is the one who is beginning to be conformed to the death and resurrection of Jesus. He's talking about this person is typically in the service of, like, the gospel and loving the brothers and sisters, right? So mature Christians, they're not ones who are done grown. I'll say it again. Mature Christians, in this sense, they're not done grown. They're the ones who are actually now truly ready to grow, right? Actually ready to run after the Lord, right? To be effective for his kingdom be effective in loving others. So in a big way, maturity is kind of like base camp and climbing Everest. Okay? So base camp is 18,000 feet for Everest. Like the tallest mountains in the Rockies are like 14ers. We like in America we're like, oh, 14ers, sick. You find a 14er, right? Like Grace says, Colorado, you got there. Three brothers. Anyways. Um, so basically 18,000 feet. That's really high. Right? That's impressive. Who knows how tall Everest is? 28. 24. 29. Did I say 29? Alright, 29. 29. So it's 29,000. So how you climb Everest is you start at base camp, right? And then you like go to like you go like North Pole, so it's called, and you like go up, you sleep there, you go down. And you like go up, you sleep there, you go to the next camp, you sleep there, and you go down. And then you like go up again, and you like sleep there, and you go all the way down again. And then like you sleep, you go up, you sleep, you go up, you sleep, you go up, you sleep, and then you summit. And then you go down to this camp, sleep, go down the But like in the Christian life, it's a great image for us because it's like, like to be at base camp at average, you gotta be a little bit of badass, you know, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta know what you're doing. You gotta be acclimated. You gotta be trained. You gotta know your tools. You gotta know your stuff, right? There's no, no one there's a noob. Actually, there are some people who just go there and hang out. But you're actually climbing, right? You're not, you're not, you're not a noob, okay? You gotta know what you're doing. So a Telios mountain climber is one who is like trained and ready to begin summiting. And let's cool about our lives. I love this image too, because it's like our lives are kind of that way sometimes, right? We don't just like summit as fast as we can and like, I made it, we'll get there in a second. Anyways, um, there are no shortcuts to mature. It takes training, it takes time. It's the Lord's time with our determined response, okay? So again, what, I, what I'm like not saying here is that maybe like you aren't like at that level yet. That's fine. It doesn't mean what you're doing right now isn't like good or like worth it. 
it actually is intensely, intensely worth it. Like some of us, maturity is something that we're striving for, right? To be in that spot where I can, yeah, like I can be effective for his kingdom, right? And like love people consistently and generously to like offer my life to the Lord, like joyfully and not like begrudgingly. Like that's good. That's like beyond that path. And we can start to display like little like traits of that now, here and now. They probably are. You point to them in your life right now, right? We must realize this, like the current time today, this time in your college sets up the rest of your life. The habits, the dispositions, the mindsets, the maturity that you learn now set up the rest of your life. And that's why this is so important. Because again, we're not I'm not in this for college. I don't I'm not like excited to like have a nice club. I'm in this to like launch disciples for the rest of their life, right? To be mature, to make an impact of the kingdom, right? So the golf analogy might help. So the analogy is the Christian life is like golf. I'm wearing a golf shirt, bro. You gotta let me have So here's the thing. Like, all of us here, we've been following the Lord, like, intensely, like, purposefully, maybe, like, what, like, two, three, four years, six months, what, is, I don't know, like, somewhere around there, right? Maybe some was a little bit longer. And, like, so if we're, like, talking about the Christian life as golf, right, no one would play golf for, like, two or three years and be like, I got my PGA Tour card. I am taking this world by storm. I'm going to enter my first tournament, and I'm going to do it, right? No one would say that. would be ridiculous, Right? So in us, in the Christian world, we sometimes think like, man, I've been doing this for like four years. I got my Christian tour card. I'm like a professional Christian. I know how this thing works. That's foolish, right? That's not right. We got so much more to go. And the problem with that mindset too is if we think we're better than we are. What happens to be like, you know, in golf, like if you think you're like, like I should be shooting like in the 70s, which is a really good score. Like we're yes. approaching. Yes. I should shoot in the 70s. So like you shake a shot, you're like, man, I shouldn't do that. You get all pissed off. Like I did the other day, I was playing with Dustin. Right? You get really mad, and you're like, oh, I shouldn't be playing this bad. And then you like you start losing the joy of it. Yeah. You can like start comparing, you can start like getting in your head, and it just stops becoming fun. So, you, so what do you do? Quit. But if you realize, like, man, I'm not that good of a golfer, but I do love being out here. And I'm getting better every time I play. I don't hit every shot perfectly, but I'm getting better. And like you actually go with that approach and you have more fun. It's more joyful, and it like makes sense, right? I think Olivia's really glad she plays golf. But hopefully that makes sense for other people. Yeah. Okay, Jasmine. Jasmine plays golf. Yeah, Jasmine's a three-time champion. She is. Yeah, she asked me what that championship is. She's the only one that matters. So, this is what happens. This is what happens when we don't live in reality. We don't understand, we don't live in humility, right? Understanding where we are in our Christian life. We think we're better than we are. We just get frustrated, right? We're pissed all the time. We don't actually realize we're growing. Because what matters is the process. So, we have a false belief that maturity can be perfection, right? When I'm perfect, that's when I'm mature. And maturity is not about being perfect all the time and making perfect decisions. In fact, a lot of maturity comes from admitting when we failed. Admitting when we miss the mark. A mature thing is to be like, to come, like you know, if you like mess up, do something like, like, like you really fall off the wagon somehow, and you go to your men's group and you're like, man, I don't want them to know that I did that because I don't want to look stupid or like I don't have myself together. That is an immature thing to do. The mature thing is to be like, hey brothers, here's where I'm at. I got nothing to hide because you know what? God loves me and I'm growing and I, this is what happened. I'm not happy about it, but I'm ready to grow past this. That's maturity. So maturity sometimes is us actually bringing these things into the light and not having this shame stop us. It's about being real, right? Sometimes it's seeking reconciliation with others in hard conversations, right? So the first step of maturity is, is being okay that we are where we are. 
because the Lord delights in us here and now. Right? He's not like, I need you to like get to this spot and then like we can really start, I can talk to you like a you know a grown person. It's not what he does. He's like, I see you here and now. Like and I love you here and now. Like I'm ready to start moving. I'm ready to start growing. But you gotta be real with me. If you hide it from yourself, if you hide it from me, we can't address it because you won't acknowledge it. But these things that we hide, we bring out to the light, and then God can heal it and move us beyond. So we don't need to worry about it if we're like holy or not. It's actually not a good game. It's a horrible game. What is, he, like, what is that? What we need to worry about is, are we real with the Lord? Are we real with our brothers and sisters? And are we seeking to progress? Right? This is the right mindset of one who is mature. So this is, this is us human beings. Maybe this is just me, but like, and for the time of my life, I thought that there was like some there out there. Like some there point that when I got to out there, that everything would be like, make sense. Like, man, I can't wait till I'm 25, then this world will make so much sense. I won't be stressed out anymore, and I'll like, have a job, money, and it won't, it won't be hard. Like, you're like, man, I can't wait till I like, really like, pray every day, because I pray every day, and then I'll be so peaceful, and like, I'll never be mad at people, I'll never get mad at my kids, whatever. Like, there is no there out there that we arrive to, brothers and sisters, where like, life makes sense. We can, we can put this on jobs, right? Like, oh, I can't wait till I get married someday, then like, I'll be like, my life makes so much sense. I can't wait to like, I can, like make this much money. I'm never stressed about money again. There is, I can't wait to like, I know the Lord like this, and then like life will never be hard again. That is like wrong. It's a wrong way to think about it. Because maturity is not a destination. Like the goal of your life is not to summit the mountains faster possible in your 20s, and then have all the answers, and just like dispense answers the rest of your life to people. That's like not the goal of Christian life. And that's not, I don't need to do that. I did it for a bit. But maybe this is good to hear. But again, um, if we get, if we become that person like thinks we to some of the mountains as possible, we become that person that Jocko can't teach, which is a horrible place to be, yeah. right? So, like, we can think that there's like maybe some like secret knowledge, right? Or, like some secret revelation God will like place on our heart, and like when He does that, then like loving people will be easy the rest of my life, and like I'll like know how to like follow His will in every situation, and like every encounter I have with people will be like cut them to the heart and like raise them to Jesus, and we'll be like <laughs> taking this world by storm, yeah. right? That's actually, that, that's called Gnosticism. I think that like some secret knowledge would like make everything easy and float by. That's actually not maturity. That's not the world. That's not how it works. Right? And actually, what, what we do have is we have Jesus. We have the God who loves us, who sees us where we're at and says, hey, like, trust me more. Like, believe in me more. Like, surrender more. Like, love more. And then we're going. We're moving on the mountain. So, you guys are probably all wondering why CJ's grounds and hands on the top. Anyone? Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> well, actually, sorry to say that. Um, so, here's the thing. Um, you will know a tree by its fruits, right? You know a tree by its fruits. And mature people are those who are able to start making good decisions. That's like a good fruit of someone who's beginning to become more mature. They start making good decisions. So, enter CJ Stroud. He's the quarterback of the Buckeyes. And uh, he's, he's, I'll say this, he's playing at a high level. The dude's starting at Ohio State. Yep. Like he's a thousand times better than all of us in this room. Right? Can we watch him? Usually <laughs> 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 right. you watch him on TV and you don't trust him, right? You see him like go back and go and you're like, oh, what's he going to do this time? Why? Because he's immature. He's young. He's a freshman. Right? Yep. And we, we know he doesn't even be perfect. He seems to get the ball to his playmakers. You got the best athletes in the country. Just throw it to a lobby, it's gonna be fine. But even strong's don't do that sometimes. If you're just pulling your hair out, like, this guy's not doing it. 
He's like, you know, Justin Fields, he wasn't perfect, but at least he was like watchable, he was exciting, he like executed <laughs> offense. Wow. Stroud, again, Stroud makes, he makes bad throws. He makes bad reads. Yep. He misses the open guy. He like drops yep. back, gets all panicky, and gets like, you know, does something crazy, right? So it's sad. frustrating, right? So here's the thing. T.A. Shrock, he's really talented, and he knows a lot. But the head knowledge doesn't translate to like the game. Like, it's not, I'm not seeing it. I don't know, like, and again, like, the good news is we love CJ and he'll get there. He's a freshman. But, <laughs> it's not for like, O'Shane's a kid. But it's, it's, like, like, it's an awesome case study for us to see, like, he is, he, like, it's not just enough to know it. It's not just enough to, like, watch the film and know, like, I should throw it here. You gotta actually do it. Right? The problem, the problem is how he plays the game. So he knows he shouldn't make a horrible throw, but he still does make a horrible throw. What's up with that, CJ? Mature QB won't really consistently do that, right? They'll make the right read even in the face of intense pressure. So again, a lot of Christian maturity comes from our making decisions well, our good decision making displayed in our life, knowing a tree by its fruits. And this is actually something as a society we're pretty bad at. Um, so what, what does it take to make a good decision well, to make a good decision as a Christian? I'm just gonna list a few things I have that came to me, and I think Anna helped me with this list. Um, this is not really a checklist. <laughs> It can be, um, but this is more of a, it's supposed to be overwhelming. I'll just hit off of that. This is a lot of things. And I'll wrap it up after that so you won't leave here in despair. Um, to know truth from lies, right? To know the voice that you want from the voice of God. To know yourself, your own strengths, and your own weaknesses. To have layered thinking, to be able to see past just the surface, right? To not be dependent on your emotions, like, good, like again, like, Motion's good in the passenger seat, not the driver's seat. To be thinking of others and your impact on them. To be thinking about other people's needs and how you actually fit into that and your calling. To know how God has spoken to you in the past. To know your commitments that you've made and how you're called to honor those. To have trusted mentors that you can actually be totally honest with. Right? To know who God is, right? His character. Knowing what influences you, knowing your fears, right? Being able to decipher information, and then actually being to tell like who in like your hierarchy of mentors you should be listening to maybe more. Like, is it your roommate or like maybe someone who's like a little bit more wise? Do you weigh their advice equally? So this is this is it's a huge list because it's like there's a certain level of humility we need to take if we want to be mature towards our big decisions, whatever those are. And we want to like take time and asking the Lord and asking brothers and sisters, asking those older than us, like, what do you have? Like, this is what I'm thinking. Point out the flaws. Like, well, actually, like, you're really impulsive, and it sounds like you've made a really impulsive decision, and you're already sure on it, and you're like open to talk to me about it, right? It's like, man, maybe if you have the grace to hear that, you're like, yeah, you're right. I did decide one night, and I didn't talk to anyone about it. Okay, that's really helpful to hear. She's like, man, maybe I should actually like, dig into this decision a little more. Like, they know us, and they can actually help us. Um, and then we, too, grow asking the Lord, like, Lord, like, where am I weak? Like, where do I need more grace here? And we come in humility with these decisions. So many of these decisions are surefire sign of a church Christian. The Lord wants to train us in this, brothers and sisters, like, not in a vacuum, but, like, in our everyday life. Yeah. In everyday moments, we can, like, grow in our decision-making. Um, and then a great tool for that is actually asking not just, like, what I did, but, like, why I did what I did. If something goes wrong, you're like, why did I do that? It's an awesome decision. Also, we can talk with your roommate too. Then we can understand how we're operating out of our fears, insecurities, and what lies are kind of operating in our life. So that's a lot, okay? 
Um, I got fractals now. This is Peter's favorite part. Yeah. Maybe a conversation about this. Engineers love to engineer everything, including how to engineer their entire lives. Step one. All right. Um, step one, right. Step two, profit. So, well, okay, I'm just going to go for it. Um, so how can we cooperate with God's grace to become mature Christians that live the adventure of discipleship for the rest of our lives? That's the question of the day. All right? So, it's funny. Actually, someone asked this question in the Bible. What do you know? Who was it? The rich young man. Right? He's like, well, like, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What was the first thing Jesus told him? Before that, before that, in one version, in one version, I'll say, so that's kind of a sneaky question. In one version, he corrects him. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. So the first thing he does is he humbles him. He says, hey, why are you trying to flatter me? He is the son of God. So, like, Jesus could have, like, gotten rid of it because he is God. But he, like, he saw this teaching moment. He was like, hey, you're just trying to flatter me? Like, like, don't play the game. Like, just be real with me. You know, you don't have to, like... Pretend like you have it all together. Like be real with me. Come to me as you are. So that's step one. Step two. He says, follow, like, you know, you know the law. Follow the commandments. And he lists off a few, right? He says, "Well, teacher, I've done all these." Then what does he say? So, so all come follow me. All right. Thank you. Go home. That's the last but that is kind of like that is like any practicals are kind of silly. Like I love this follow the commandments. I love that for a second. Because what he's talking about here, um, it sounds kind of like, oh, geez, okay, like, yeah, follow the rules. Is that it, Jesus? Like, you know, the part that's kind of like, okay, that's just like, follow the rules, and that's what you're going to do. Here's the thing. we got to think about it, like, we got to humble ourselves here a little bit. Because what Jesus is saying is not stifling or rigid to follow the commandments. Although it can sound that way at first to our ears. Think about this, like, Ellie actually doesn't really know how to, like, help Anna and I a lot. In fact, I don't like Anna test. Sometimes she does things that are like completely unhelpful. It's like, and then you hear go, oh, okay, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Okay, nope, stop, stop. That's why I know she's being unhelpful. But she's trying to help. So, but God does, same with us and that. We actually don't know how to please God sometimes. We gotta do these things like, oh, okay, yeah, stop. Unhelpful. But what the Lord does is give us commandments. Like we read in 1 John, like, these are actually. Like, ways God's saying, hey, you want to please me? Seek to live these out. Because we know what happens here is we seek to please God in His ways through acting obediently. And acting obediently and faithfully to Him opens us up to receive more of His life. Receive more of His life. More things make sense. Our life's unfold. You see how it kind of like snowballs down. These commandments actually, so if you're not actually living the commandments, that's an awesome place to start. Say, God, like, I want to love you. I want to honor you. What do I got to do? He's like, well, I have an idea. Like, and it's, and it's like, I don't want to do that though. Because we say, we want to, I want to like close you God on my terms. Because like, I know how I want to please you. I'm going to go do all these awesome things. He's like, well, like, maybe just start here. And that's what Jesus says in the rich young man. Is like, there's a place for us to start. So we're, if we're not quite there, it's great. Like, we can grow towards this. But that's like, we got to be real with that. Right? We got to be real with that. It's not stifling. It's not rigid. It's a way for us to actually love God. For him to show us how to best love him. In obedience. All right. So, I, I mean, rich young man, Jesus, Jesus did say, if you want to become perfect, which is teleo, sell all that you have and come home. Oh, I can drink water. Um, but he, um, 
we're not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, like, that's something to dig in. But I do want to give us a little bit more to chew on. Hopefully there's already something to chew on, but I'm gonna, I got three things, okay? So if we want to act, we want maturity, and I've said this a few times, but it's circling in humility. I'm not as good of a Christian as I think I am. I love that. It's so free. Just say that to yourself. I'm not as good of a Christian as I think I am. Because when we say that, we actually like align with like the Lord, like, okay, God, you love me here, and we're going to go places, aren't we? He's like, yeah, now we can go places. <coughs> Maybe in like a problem that like, you're really like, you know, think you're like the worst Christian ever. He's be like, okay, like, you're not perfect, but I love you there. Like, you're maybe a little, like, a love. And so a great definition of humility I found is, the definition of humility is, is found in my willingness to be led. My willingness to be led. If I can't be led by others, and actually I, I can't be led by God. Because, how can I say that? John, what the heck? That's, that's ridiculous. Well, again, there's rightful authority, and there's, it's like, you know, someone says, like, here, take this knife and stab this person. That's a different situation. But you're going to the extremes then. In our normal everyday life, if we can't be led by others, we can't be led by God. How can I say that? Because if we can't be led by others, that shows us who's actually in the driver's seat of our life. It's us. <laughs> and if we're in the driver's seat of our life, God isn't. It's just us. There's only one driver's seat in our life, right? It's either us or God or our emotions. So that, right? Lots of drivers. Um, so in humility, the point is not to appear to have it all together. Right? The point is not to look like it. Because remember the Pharisees, like they appeared like they had it all together. They were really good. They were really close actually to like what Jesus was talking about. But there was one really big problem. Right? Their hearts. <laughs> right? Their hearts were far from them. They thought they had it all figured out. They were in charge. They were the drivers of how they were going to relate to God. And what did Jesus call their worship? Farce. Remember that last week with Emily? Because they're in the driver's seat. It was all about them. Their worship was a farce. They weren't worshiping God. They were like worshiping this idea of like this perfect, perfect life they wanted, right? That God wasn't actually in the driver's seat. They were. So what does it mean to be humble? It means we recognize the need we have to grow in our decision making. So every single day we have thousands of little decisions. I love this. This is St. John of the Cross where he says, faithfulness in little things is a big thing. I don't mean this to like freak us out about like you do everything perfect. But what it means is there's opportunities every day to grow. And if we're faithful in little things, God gives us more things. That's scripture. Right? So don't freak out about all the little things. Just say, like, I have opportunities to grow today. And if you mess one of those little ones up, be like, hey, I got another one coming down the pipe. I don't need to freak out about that. We got more coming, right? And we, we, we focus our attention there. So with this decision-making, we can say, like, will I recognize my emotions and how those are playing in me right now? Do I know what I worship at this moment? Am I going to react to the situation? Like, ah, or am I going to respond to the situation? I did each of those today with my kid. In one night. You know, um, we have decisions with our words to upbuild, to encourage. Maybe you just thought, like, man, I should encourage that guy. Like, ah, maybe that's weird. You can say no to it. It's an opportunity. How do you prioritize your time, your commitments? Um, being wrath, be honest with the Lord and others. Amen. So, again, with this humility piece, Jesus talks about Luke 18 6. I'm going to read it. It's so good. Um, He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. It says, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes on all I get. 
But the tax collector, standing far off, did not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's pretty stark. Like, one guy fasted twice a week, he gave tithes and everything. You guys don't do that. He doesn't fast twice a week, maybe something like, I don't know. You guys are giving tithes and everything. This guy was like, awesome. But he was sitting there telling God what he was doing. And God was like, ah, that's not what this is about. Well, other one comes from in humility, like, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Who this guy actually was a sinner. He was probably, he was a tax collector, so he was separated from, like, Israel. That he recognized his sinfulness and came to the Lord. He left justified. Right? Two, two people showed up, only one was heard that day in a way that mattered. Um, that's humility. Um, faith is the second one. One's humility, two is faith. This is where our righteousness comes from. Faith means we're not in charge. Faith means we're not in the driver's seat. Maybe a theme. Unexpected. How do you spell faith? All right, that's kidding. Plot twist. Um, you can't engineer holiness in five easy steps. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, it requires faith. And faith is action. Right? Faith is not like this feeling. Faith is that faith needs to be displayed in action. That's what we're talking about. Risking for the Lord. So the rich young man, act, right? Jesus asked him to take take a leap of faith. To sell what he valued and come after Jesus. He went away sad that he didn't take that risk. So the problem is that we want to make Jesus the Lord of our lives. We want to give him everything. Right? We still kind of want it on our terms. Right? We want it on our terms. So we want, I want that job that I think I want. I want that neighborhood that I, that I, that I want. I want the lifestyle that I grew up with. Like, I want, I want mission with the best that fits in with those ideals. Right? So we kind of like, we, we want Jesus the Lord of our life, but we, we just come to him and like slide our plan across the table and say, God, if you could sign at the bottom there, that'd be great. Okay, thank you. All right, I'm going to do these things now. And like, he'll let us do that because he loves us. And he'll work. But that's not what we're talking about with, like, the upward call to maturity, right? There's more for us on the table. And, like, it might be those things. It doesn't mean that if you get a job in a neighborhood and you live a similar lifestyle to how you live, that you're not following the Lord. That's actually not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you don't actually submit that to him and say, Lord, what do you have? And you're leaving some meat on the bone. It's not that God's pissed. It's not that he's, like, shaking his finger. It's just that, like, he's like, there's more if you want it. You know? There's an adventure actually beyond this if you want it. And it offers that to us in love. So again, if, if we, um, this faith, faith. The rich young man, he kind of lived this checklist to Christianity, right? He was like, okay, God, like, what do I got to do? Like, give me the five easy steps. And I'll do those, and it's going to work out for me. But Jesus is like, that's not how it works. This my life plus Jesus approach is kind of what sunk the rich young man, right? Like, the guy was doing well to his credit. He's doing, he's following the commandments. But he sensed there was more in the true life in God, Right? So Jesus says, like, if you wish to be perfect. And what Jesus was saying there is not that, like, if you would have obeyed, you would have been, like, sinless and perfect and died and, like, been with God forever. He's saying that if you would be perfect, if you want to be mature, if you want to, like, make this transition to be, like, in base camp and start ascending the mountain, right, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost something. And this cost seems, like, so big to you that you have no idea what I have in store. You have no idea the thrills, the joy, the adventure, like, the towering heights the view from the top. You have no idea. It's going to cost something here and now, but we have no idea of the good that comes later. Again, you, you cannot be a mature Christian and in complete control of your life. The difference between being in control and composed. 
composed is like can be like a sign of the Holy Spirit. This like peace, this like presence, this awareness. The control is like one that like can be totally controlled or like kind of white nothing. I mean like lash out. If something unexpected happens and we like freak out and break down. That's because we are in control, something threatened that control, and we crush it. And we hate it and we freak out. We say, get out, and then we go back in our control, right? And like we like lash out at people, right? Like I know when I'm controlling, like I'm like impatient with my kids. I'm just like, can't handle this right now. Um, so faith. Our faith grows. This is an important part I want to make sure it's really clear for us. Our faith grows. Okay? We're lifelong learners. I mean, faith isn't like some destination we get to and like we finally sell and give to Jesus and be like, you graduated faith? Yay. No, our faith grows. Because think about this. Peter. Look at Peter's life. When did Peter get it? When did Peter like graduate, right? Was it when he like fell down at Jesus' feet and was like, apart from me, I'm a simple man. You know, it's pretty good. What about when like, he left everything and followed Jesus? Like he did what the rich man could do. Is that when he was perfect? Well, no, because what about like when he said like, well, you are the Christ, the Son of God, like the next revelation. Sweet. He gets it. Well, what about like when Jesus like reinstates him after he denied Jesus? Like is that like the next perfect level that he reached there? Or what about like when he began to walk in his powers at Pentecost? Is that the next level? What about when he like thought that Christianity was only for Jewish people? Like you see how like there's these continuous revelations in Peter's life. Continue transformation. So too with us. This if we like follow Jesus and go all in. This means we like graduated in faith and we're perfect and we like figured it all out. But it's these different past revelations. Um, so what do we what do we do with this faith thing? We we ask who's in the driver's seat, right? Who's in the driver's seat? We ask Father Paul, what is your vision for my life? Right? We surrender our plans, our lives, we put our plan on the altar and ask what he has for us. Alright, last one, determine. We're on the home stretch. I know you um, determine. Emily, Emily on this last week was so good. Do you want to be more deeply rooted in the Father's heart? Do you want to be more deeply rooted in like what actually matters? Like, great. Well, don't just tell me. Show me. And that's what the Lord says to us. He's like, look, I love your words. I love it when you tell me these things. I also especially love it when you show me. Because that's where my grace shows up. Like, you can have these awesome thoughts. You can have these great convictions. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's if you do it. It's if you show me. And not that God's like, show me or else I don't believe it. He's like, he like well, his Lord's like, hey, all my grace, all my love, all my life is operative in your life that you would incarnate this, that you live this. He's like, I want you to live it because that's where the joy is. That's where the power is. That's where the life is, not just in the thoughts. So um, show me, right? And how you love your neighbor, right? First John 4. Because how can you love your God that you do not see if you can't love your neighbor that you do see? Right? Housemates, start there. And then back around, right? And what a gift it is just to say to walk with these men and women around us, right? Like we can be merciful to them as we are growing ourselves. Amen? Amen. Um, again, God says, show me. Show me how we're living this. You want to be in, and just be present on mission and just pushing yourself a little bit more than you thought comfortable and watch me show up. Show me how you just want that one more person to know the Lord. Show me how you just show out a little bit longer this awkward conversation for the sake of loving this person, right? Show me showing up to dorm outreach even though you don't want to and it's kind of getting right? This, this termination, it means we set our face like flex. Like, we know there's going to be trials, setbacks, complexities. Like, we know there's going to be suffering. We welcome these not as imposters, but, like, as part of life, right? We know there's going to be difficulties. And we're like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? Like, no, like, this is what was promised to me. I think it's going to be hard. But Jesus, what do you say about this? And he speaks to it. And you're like, wow, that's really helpful. Keep, keep, keep continuing. Um, the thing is, though, we know this story. 
this gospel story, this, this discipleship adventure, is the only story worth living, right? I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Romans 8.18. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So in our determination, when we hit these setbacks, do we judge our God through our circumstances? Do we judge our circumstances through the eyes of our loving God? Right? When things are hard, we're like, God, oh, God didn't come through here. Oh, God's this. Or do we judge those circumstances through the eyes of our loving God? Like, God, what are you doing here? Because I know you love me. So what is this? Like, what are you teaching me here? How are you fathering me right now? Again, this determination, talk is cheap. We're looking for fruits. Right? Joy. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Like, if these are present in our life, we know we're doing We know there's something good. God, the Holy Spirit gives us those. Be like, hey, yeah, keep going. This is good. Like, there's joy, there's peace, there's patience, there's kindness. All these things. Because we talk about these things. Are they, are they active in our life? Are they displayed? Hey, about this determination thing? Last point. We never quit. We never quit. No matter how shameful we feel, no matter how confused we are, no matter how lost we are, we know that God does not stop loving us. So we don't quit. We don't throw in a towel. We persevere through it. We know that he who began the good work in you will bring it to completion. That's yeah. Philippians 1 6. He who began the good work in you will bring it to completion. That's a promise. That's not a vague hope. That is a promise. Our job is to persevere, to be determined. If God is for us, if the God of the universe is for us, the God who created everything, the God who created us, the God who created all, like everyone else, the entire world, cosmos, universe. If that guy is for us, who can be against us? Who can stand against us if we, if that God is for us? So we persevere. What can separate us from the love of God? So tribulation or distress or trial or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor power nor height depth, or anything else in all of creation, be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this is where we're, we're going to end, brothers and sisters, with the incredible love that our Father has for us. Right? Unstoppable love that our Father has for us. The Father who destined us to be in a great adventure with Him. So, to sit here and describe it would be falling. Like, we, we, what's done is not like, we, like, we just, like, touched a tiny part of it. Because we can't really dig into the pains, the sorrows, the joys, the friendships, the sisters in arms, the brothers in arms, the unexpected fruits, right? The victories that we never saw coming. We can't even like begin to like describe those. In the same way, like if I saw my little daughter Ellie and like try to tell her about life, she just like would just go over her head. She'd have no idea. But that's okay because she's four. She has me and she has Anna, who love her. You're going to father her, you're going to mother her, you're going to parent her through the process. We're going to be there every step of the way. And God, actually, in a way more perfect way, is doing that with us. Every step of the way. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Know how much I love you today. Hear that I love you. Know that I love you. See, look around, that I love you. Look at these people around us. More than you could ever imagine. And my power, the power that created all things, is aimed completely towards your well-being. When you surrender to me, I can accomplish all things. 
So live as a son. Live as a daughter. Know that nothing can separate you from my love, and that I am with you always, even to the limit of all things. Amen. Amen. Amen.